All right. Uh, welcome to the Adult Sunday School class for the fall. Uh, the topic, as you know from the bulletin, is the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, we're really excited to be teaching this series. Uh, just so you know, the teachers for this class, obviously myself, or I wouldn't be standing up here, but also uh, Josh Costello and Noah Costello as well are going to be teaching as well. So it's going to be sort of a, a team type of effort. And uh, part of that is, is just so you guys know, so you can be praying, uh, both Josh and Noah are sensing that call to the gospel ministry. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, that uh, the way that we view a call in that way is, first of all, you have to have uh, a sense of an internal call that God is calling you to that ministry. But also there's an external aspect of that, and that's where you guys come in where you guys sort of confirm, yes, I see in that man that call to the gospel ministry. I see the, the gifts and, and the skills that, that are necessary. I see the character in that man. And so you guys are a part of that. But I tell you that this morning, not to put pressure on them, like they're performing in front of you or anything like that, as much as just to ask you to pray for these men as, as they're seeking the Lord's will for their life and, and, and what uh, he wants for them. And as they have the privilege to, to uh, be up in front of you and you uh, um, be able to give them feedback and encourage them and uh, as they are uh, doing the work of the Lord in the Sunday school class. So anyway, so we're, we're all excited about that. Uh, today, uh, we want to begin the class by turning to Galatians chapter 5. And uh, I'm sure you kids have learned some uh, cool way to remember the epistles and what order they're in, but uh, I always uh, remembered, I was always taught, go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So, you know, you can memorize that however you want, but uh, anyway, Galatians chapter 5. Okay, let me uh, read this text for us this morning. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the faith through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This uh, persuasion is not from him who calls you. Uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no... Uh, other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is but if I brother still preach circumcision why am I still being persecuted in that case the offense of the cross has been removed I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love uh, serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another envying one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you as we come this morning for the privilege to to sit at your feet and for you to teach us. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful for the word that you have given to us and thank you for the time that we have this morning to consider these things and especially, Lord, as we're looking from place to place in your word this morning, different passages that you would tie these things together. And Lord, that you would use this Sunday school class, the series that we're doing. Uh, God, not that we just would come each week and hear the things the teacher says and walk away and, and forget the things that we've heard, like a man who looks at himself in a mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. But Lord, instead, help us to, to meditate upon your word. We pray for your spirit to quicken our our hearts, our minds, our wills, our affections, Lord, to receive the things that you are teaching and instructing us in. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing in us, and we pray these things, God, not just for our benefit or for the, the building up and the strengthening of our church, but God, mostly and ultimately for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the schedule that that uh, we're going to do this semester is is very simple. Uh, today and next week, we're just going to take an introduction to this whole topic of the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we're going to look at various things. Today, as a matter of fact, we're sort of laying a foundation and just sort of looking at different things, uh, different uh maybe misconceptions that people may have, just sort of want to cover a a whole lot of bases. So today may even seem a little disjointed in the sense that we're just covering a whole bunch of different things. But I know we have people of all ages here and and all different places in their walk with the Lord. And so I just sort of want to get us all on the same page. And then next week we'll sort of dig into things uh, a little bit more so. And then for the nine weeks after that, then we'll look at the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And then the last two weeks then what we'll do is we will uh, cover uh, just sort of a wrap-up to this series and uh, things for us to consider and to to think about. So it's very simple. Now, this year in our Sunday school, we're going to do something we've never done before. Uh, We are going to meet the the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, We typically have not done that because we've been a small group and people have been traveling. 
we didn't have enough Sunday school teachers and stuff, but we've actually grown to the point as a church that we have enough that we can continue on. So we're just going to be meeting from now till I think December 10th is the date uh, as we uh, consider this topic. So anyway, so let's just uh, jump in. And the way I want us to start this morning is just to sort of do like a free word association type exercise. I know that doesn't sound very spiritual and it's probably not. But uh, just to get us started, I'm going to say a f- phrase, and I'm going to let you complete the phrase. And I want you just to, to, like, shout out your answer, okay? I know you're Presbyterians. I know that doesn't come naturally. You'll have to exert every bit of effort and energy you have to speak out loud, but go ahead and do it anyway, okay? So let me just start with the first one. Red, white, and blue. 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 Right. That's, that's our national colors. Uh, how about this one? Peanut butter and jelly. There you go. Nobody said bananas. That's amazing. <laughs> but peanut butter and jelly. That's right. Fruit of the... Uh, Spirit. Right. That's great. That's, I'm glad no one said fruit of the looms. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, so you have fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, the reality is that's a topic that is familiar to most of us. And I know for me, as someone who has uh, been in Christian education... Most of his ministry, that that was my training. I got a Master of Divinity with an emphasis in Christian education. I spent a lot of time with adult education, youth education, and also with children as well. So spent a lot of time in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, and all that. So this week I decided to do this real uh, deep dive into this uh, spiritual exercise of looking on YouTube and seeing how many vacation Bible school videos I could find on the fruit of the Spirit. And I think I stopped somewhere between 50 to 100 plus videos, something like that. Now, I'm sure some of those are duplicates and stuff, but there is a lot out there. So if you have grown up in the church and you have gone to vacation Bible school or maybe even Sunday school, you have probably learned some obnoxious song about the fruit of the Spirit that has caused that to stick in your mind. And if I ask you what the fruit of the Spirit was this morning, you could tell me because you'd be singing this song in your mind. And, and I understand that. Uh, but you may wonder, if this is a topic that's so familiar, then why are we teaching this particular series? Well, I'll tell you why. Number one, there's probably more kids' curriculum on the fruit of the Spirit than there is adult curriculum. As a matter of fact, as I was sort of perusing the different curriculums that were out there for this study, I actually had trouble finding good, you know, biblical perspectives on the fruit of the Spirit. But uh, the bottom line is, the reason why uh, we're covering this particular topic at this particular time is because it's a great wrap-up to our theme for 2023, which is the theme of devoted to God, or as uh, another way of putting it in biblical theological terms is it's a study of sanctification. And, you know, we started out the the year preaching through a series on sanctification. Uh, We've, uh, uh, the men have read through uh, Sinclair Ferguson's book, Devoted to God. And in various ways, we've come back to this topic. And so uh, we are now sort of wrapping up the year uh, with this whole idea of the fruit of the Spirit, which ties into the topic of sanctification. But I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Uh, So how... Uh, how would you guys define 
sanctification. You know, we use these words in church, sanctification. Young people, we use words like justification and glorification. And you can grow up your whole life and you're like, okay, I've heard these words. I have no idea what they mean. So can somebody sort of enlighten us? What do we mean by sanctification? It's the process of process of becoming more like Christ or more holy okay so Christ a process to become Christ like or like you said holy boy this is not going to work with this hand but that's alright use your imagination uh, alright anything else that you would add to that Yes, Ben. Uh, sanctification is work of God's grace, whereby we are renewed the whole man after the image of Christ and made more and more divine sin and live unto That's what Ben just said. Okay. <laughs> That's from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number 35. Okay. It, it is a work of God's uh, grace, His free grace, actually. Now, uh, young people, I want you to understand this. This is not an act. It's not something that God does at one point in time and we're just, all of a sudden, we're changed. That's justification, okay? But this is a work. It's a process. It's something that goes on. But it comes and it flows from God's free grace. That doesn't mean that we're not involved in the process of it. But uh, if it weren't for God, we could, couldn't do anything to sanctify ourselves. But we actually see a number of things from this definition. First of all, we sort of see the breadth. Uh, or the extent of, of this process of sanctification that takes place. Uh, we are renewed in the whole man. That means our entire person, the way we think, the way we speak, you know, the way we act, you know, uh, the totality of who we are is being sanctified. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to be completely sanctified by the time we die. Well, that won't happen until heaven. But the reality is, is that the Spirit of God will be working in our lives, our whole life, uh, to bring this about in, in the whole person. But it's a, it's a slow process. But we also see the goal of this process, and that is to conform us to the image of God, or uh, after the image of God. And, and the process of sanctification is described as God enabling us to die more and more into sin and live and, and live more and more unto righteousness. And so there's this process called spiritual growth, young people, that's happening in your life. And you see yourself, those things uh, that maybe you love to do at one time, the sins, and the things you, you find yourselves not doing those things. And you find yourself instead living and walking in a way that's that's righteous in a way that's holy, a way that's honoring to the Lord. That's the Spirit of God that's working in your heart. That's that process of sanctification that's taking place. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit as He works salvation in our lives is to transform us into what? The image of His Son. Right, the image of His Son. Right, the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.28 For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You know, sometimes we can mistakenly think that I became a believer uh, when I prayed a prayer, you know, whenever in my life, when I was younger, when I was older, whenever. And, you know, and because of that, now I'm a Christian and one day I'll go to heaven. 
And that's true, but that's sort of like this wonderful full process of sanctification, or of salvation, excuse me, that, that we've just left out most of the pieces of the puzzle of. You know, it's a very sketchy thing. There's way more to it than that. And we see from God's perspective, from Romans 8, 28, that he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So, is that going to happen? Yes, yes. Um, it's going to happen uh, if we are his children. So, another way of Jesus referring to this spiritual growth process of sanctification is by the way of fruit. So if you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. <coughs> Would somebody read uh, John 15 verses 1 and 2? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so we see here that this idea that uh, that if we are in the vine, and, and we're bearing fruit, that he, God will work in us such that we will bear more fruit. And we're going to talk next week a little bit more about what this means, that the Father is the vine dresser. But then skip down to verses 4 and 5. Could you read that too, Noah, as well? Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so this sort of goes back to that idea that we cannot bear fruit apart from uh, being in Christ. And then verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, so maturing believers in Christ is one who bears fruit to the to glorify God, but also to prove that, that he is a disciple. Because the reality is, is that if we are a disciple of Christ, the Spirit of God will be... Uh, bearing fruit in our lives. Now, I, I think this is really important for us as a church to keep in mind, especially in the day and the time that we live in. There's uh, many people who would profess to be Christians, but you're sort of like, well, you know, are they a Christian? Are they not a Christian? And and it's helpful sometimes to hear a person's testimony. And, and granted, that's what we do as elders of the church when we receive people into membership. We, we listen to their testimony and stuff, but we also, what we do is we spend time examining the fruit as much as we can. I know it's, it's hard without being in people's lives, but as much as we can, we seek to examine that fruit as well. This is a good way to tell if a person is a believer by the fruit of, of their lives. And uh, so, anyway, in, in this metaphor, Jesus indicates that abiding is accomplishing through dependence upon him. Uh, abiding in Christ produces much fruit and fruit that will last. And so it's, uh, it's this fruit that we read about in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Well, this morning I want to talk about a number of different topics just very uh, quickly. 
and uh, briefly. And one of the things I want to talk about is artificial fruit uh, versus real uh, fruit of the Spirit. There are some professing Christians who view uh, fruit as something that is external. And maybe you've been in churches like this. You know, we all are sort of in a process and we're growing. And it is interesting to see how the Lord maybe takes us from church to church or causes us to grow in certain ways. But, you know, we probably all have at least seen Christians who the emphasis of their Christian life is more about the externals, about how they appear. So they dress a certain way, they speak a certain way. It's all about externals. And as a matter of fact, they, you know, they want to make sure that they look good. There's not always a, a carefulness, though, to make sure that the way that they present themselves and this image that they present themselves is the same as who they are when they're all by themselves. And so what happens is you find people who sometimes are more hypocritical uh, in their walk with the Lord. And if you've heard Paul Tripp at all and uh, read anything or watched his videos or anything, you have most likely come across his illustration about apple stapling. But for the one or two in here who haven't heard that illustration, let me see if I can sort of repeat it. He, he talked about having this apple tree in his backyard and he said it was the most pathetic apple tree you could imagine. The apples were small and they were hard and they were gnarly. And, you know, you'd probably break a tooth if you tried to bite into one. And so his wife was just sort of bemoaning the fact that they didn't have nice apples. And he's like, well, I, one solution is I could go to the grocery store or the, the farmer's market and I could buy several bushels of these big, beautiful apples that have stems on them. And I could take them out there and I could staple them to the apple tree. And then most people that would drive by my house would look and go, wow, look at that apple tree. This guy must be the greatest horticulturalist there ever was that, that lived. You know, his apples just look so great. But he goes, all you'd have to do is wait a couple weeks to go by and you would find that the fruit was rotten and, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't sustain, wasn't sustained because it wasn't tied in to the life of the tree. And that's oftentimes what artificial fruit looks like, especially when it's from someone who's being more hypocritical. And there's a sense in which they can maintain that for a while, but oftentimes over a long time period, you begin to see that fruit for what it is. Now, not always, not always, but oftentimes uh, that's the case and because it's just hypocritical fruit. But I would suggest to you that you know, when you're talking about artificial fruit like this, um, it's not just hypocrites that sometimes produce this artificial fruit. It could be well-intentioned Christians. Christians who love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart. But as they go back to Galatians chapter 5 and they read that list, the way they read it is as a to-do list. It is something that they are to do. Uh, you know, uh, we, we read it and we say God is saying this is the way that we ought to live our lives. This is the way um, that the Lord... Uh, wants me to live. He wants me to be patient and loving and self-controlled. And so they go out on the internet and they start following blogs that you know that 
deal with the topic of self-control because that's something they struggle with. Or maybe blogs or, or YouTube channels that talk about organization and self-control and all these kind of t- things. And they try to do the best that they can do. And maybe there's improvement in their life. And they do uh, have more self-control to some extent, but there's, there's not a lot. Um, and, but what they really have is, is they have imitation fruit. Now, we all know what fake fruit looks like, right? We've walked into somebody's house, and we looked on their t- table, and they have this bowl of fruit as apples and oranges and bananas and grapes. And as a matter of fact, we sort of look at it. We look at it again, you know, and we're thinking, is that real or is that fake? You know, we're thinking probably it's fake because it's on the table as a decoration, but it might be real. Sometimes it's hard to see the difference. And sometimes it's like that in the life of Christians. That, you know, sometimes the artificial fruit looks very, very real. And not only to the person who is bearing that fruit, but even to others who are around them as well. But the reality is, it's not the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit. And so you can't, uh, by sheer willpower and determination, uh, produce the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and, and I say this especially to you young people. You know, I know you guys are, are uh, getting to that age where you're beginning to come into the adult world. Up until this point in time, your parents pretty much told you exactly what it was you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to think. And now they're beginning to work with you to teach you how to think for yourself and how to process things. And it doesn't mean they're not still there to tell you what to do at times and stuff. But, you know, you're, you're trying to, to process this stuff. And, you know, you may be wondering, how am I supposed to do this fruit of the Spirit? Well, it's not that you're just supposed to try to do it yourself or that you're trying to try harder or to get your act together. But the fruit of the Spirit uh, that Christ produces is a fruit that comes out of a life that's been changed. It grows from the inside out by the hand of God. It's something that the Spirit of God does in your life. And that Christ-like character will grow sort of organically as you abide in Christ. Now, the whole question of, well, what does that mean to abide in Christ? We're going to talk about that um, probably next week. I don't think we're going to have time to do that this week, but um, we'll talk about that as it comes to the Holy Spirit. So, as you come away from this study, uh, I I just want to encourage you that you should come away with a deeper sense of uh, a knowledge of Christ. And, a, and a more of a dependence upon Him. And if you haven't, then you've missed the point. Or, you know, we've not communicated the point. I don't know. But the, the Bible here is to help us to see that it is uh, has to do with uh, dependence upon Christ. Now, uh, I want to mention just a second. Uh, works versus fruit. Thinking back to Galatians chapter 5, there's two lists in in the last part of the chapter. The first list is the works of the flesh. It's the vices in our life. Okay, And then there's the list of the fruit of the Spirit, which is the virtues in our life. And we can learn a lot about the nature of the fruit of the Spirit by contrasting it to the fruit of the flesh. Let me look at, let me read again Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, 
fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then he gives a warning with that. But I want us to notice that uh, when you read those lists, there's a contrast there between the works of the flesh, which is plural, and the fruit of the Spirit, which is singular. And I don't want to read too much into this, but you know, uh, one commentator made the point, and I thought this was very helpful. He said, the plurality here, when, it, when it's talking about the works of the flesh, uh, reminds us of the competing desires of our sin. They're not a team. Our flesh is dragging us in multiple directions. You know, it may be something where we're drugged over here by our anger or we're tempted over here by our lust or, or, or here we're inquiring about, uh, you know, uh, witchcraft or, you know, things that have to do uh, with the devil and things like that. And there's all this. Whereas the fruit of the Spirit... It is a collective singular, which shows that it's in harmony in these virtues, that it flows out of one spirit uh, reflecting the character of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we receive the spirit, and that spirit then begins to work in us. Now, um, I want to take just a minute, and I know this... uh, I wasn't sure exactly where to put this in my outline, so I don't know if it fits perfectly here. But I want us just to think for a minute and to to understand as we think about the fruit of the Spirit that uh, God has always uh, desired that those who are made in His image would bear fruit, that they would reflect His character. And this was true with Adam and Eve, and they did. You know, they reflected the character of God with one another and before the Lord and before all of creation. But then Adam and Eve sinned. And so in that sin was the seed of every one of the vices that we read in Galatians chapter 5. All the different vices were sort of tied up in that. And so, um, you know, who would then reflect the character of God? I mean, we still possess the image of God, okay? So I don't want to imply that that there's not any sense of that, but there's definitely a sense in which we are fallen in our nature. And so God raised up the nation of Israel, but they also failed. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. And God is giving an indictment against His people. And this is what he says. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choice vines, but built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that had not uh, done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? So in other words, God is saying, you know, I planted this vineyard. I gave my people everything they needed to produce fruit, and, and yet they did not. Well, he goes on, he says, and now I will tell you 
what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. And I will also command the clouds that uh, they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are his pleasant plants. And so here God uh, is indicting his people because they did not uh, do that which he had uh, saved them and, and called them to do. But later on in Isaiah 11, if I might read uh, briefly from Isaiah 11 beginning with verse 1, uh, Isaiah gives a prophecy about a future fruit bearer. He said, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And of course, this is a prophecy about Christ, uh, who through his ministry put an end to all the vices that we wrestle with, all the sin. He has set us free from that, uh, and he has paved the way that we might bear fruit ourselves, uh, because he was the one who first bore fruit. Now let me read one more passage, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke 4, 18. And this is actually... Uh, um, Jesus, as he's in the temple, at, or the synagogue, excuse me, in Nazareth, his hometown, and he's been given the scriptures to read, and he's reading from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. And Jesus said, of course, this is passages about me. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And and so we see here that Christ has come to not only set us free uh, as those who are oppressed to the, our sinful nature, uh, but he has come to proclaim the good news to the poor. And part of that is, is that we as his people could bear fruit. And... Uh, uh, and of course, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I, I want us to keep that in mind, um, because I think sometimes it's very easy for us as we hear uh, the teaching in Scripture about Christ. Christ did this, Christ did that, and oftentimes we are called to do the same thing as his people, right? Uh, you know, Christ loved in this way, we are called to love. But I think sometimes... Don't we have the temptation to sort of dismiss Christ's example because we say, well, he was the son of God. So, of course, he did that. You know, but I'm a human being and, and I'm struggling and, and this is difficult for me. But he's Jesus. And so we sort of forget and dismiss that. But I think the thing that we have to remember is that Christ had the ministry of the Holy Spirit as, as uh, prevalent in his life and in his ministry. That he uh, looked to the Holy Spirit. One person put it this way. They said the Holy Spirit was the lifelong and constant companion of Jesus. 
And, and if I could just give you some examples of this, uh, Jesus was anointed for ministry by whom? By the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3, uh, verse 16, uh, Jesus persevered through temptations. How? By the Spirit of God that enabled him. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus preached the gospel in the Spirit. Luke 4, 14 and 15. Uh, Jesus offered up his life through the Spirit. Hebrews 9, verse 14. He, he's been ushered into the resurrection glories by the Spirit. Romans 8, 11. And so we see the work of the Spirit of God in the life of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, the reality is we have that same Spirit. Uh, so as we study the fruit of the Spirit, it points us to Christ, yes, who is the, the promised fruit bearer, um, but also we need to look at the Spirit in the life of Christ. One of the glorious twists of God's story of redemption is that the Spirit of Christ becomes our spirit. Uh, Jesus has not kept his companion to himself, but he has generously poured out his Spirit upon his people. And this is really important as we, as we think about this topic of the fruit of the Spirit, that we're looking to the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in us. Uh, knowing that uh, no matter how weak we are, no matter how much we struggle with temptation, uh, no matter uh, where we are spiritually in our walk with the Lord, that, that we are able to bear fruit because we have the same spirit as Christ. I like what Sinclair Ferguson said. He said, our Lord Jesus Christ became the bearer of the spirit in order to be the bestower of the spirit. Um, so we have that whole same spirit. So the fact is, is that God's spirit will will work in us. Uh, anyway, any questions about that? Okay. So as we reflect on the fruit of the spirit, um, let us consider that the fruit of the spirit is not demands upon our lives that we have to somehow produce, but rather it is a declaration of who we are in Jesus Christ. And uh, so I hope this encourages you uh, as you think about the fruit of the Spirit in your own life and uh, and the ability of, of that fruit to be a reality. The next thing I want us to talk about is the gifts of the Spirit versus the fruit. Uh, Paul talks about both in Scripture. The gifts, of course, uh, refers to many gifts that God has given to the church. And some of those gifts uh, have to do with speaking, of proclaiming the gospel. Other gifts have to do with serving. Other gifts have to do with giving. Uh, but we know that not every believer has all the gifts. And definitely the pastor does not have all the gifts, and that's why he's the pastor. You know, every person is necessary. Every person has their gifts, and as those gifts, as God brings us together as people and we use those gifts, then we see the ministry that goes on in the body of Christ. It's a beautiful picture, but the fruit is a little bit different than that. The fruit, it's, it's just one. 
It's it's multi, although it's multifaceted, it's one. And all believers are to manifest every aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of Christ's likeness. And so we don't have the option, you know, like maybe with our with our gifts, you know, we don't really have an option either. The Spirit gives us those gifts. But, you know, we know that we're just going to have one, two, three, I don't know how many gifts, but we'll have a number of gifts. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, this is something that, that we will see all of these things that are at play and at work in our lives. We may see some things that uh, we see more prevalent in our lives. Uh, regarding the fruit, there may be other things that it's hard to see in our lives. But we can be assured that the Spirit of God is working all those things to be a reality in our lives. And while Galatians 5 is not an exhaustive description of, of, of the Christian character, there's more to the Christian character than just the fruit of the Spirit. There, you know, there's things like righteousness, there's things like humility, there's things like um, holiness, uh, like that. This still is a good summation of what Christian character is. And in the Bible, a disciple uh, of Christ is, is not just someone uh, who uh, knows certain things, but he actually becomes like his teacher. And that's where this fruit is so important. It's good to study good theology. It's, it's good to, uh, to read and to know things. It's good to, to minister and to uh, you know, minister in the body and outside of the body and all that. But we also must bear the character of our master. And, uh, and that's, that's so important. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit is. We are to grow in the character of Christ our Lord. And while that growth is by grace, by the hand of God, we are actively involved in cultivating that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And, and we'll see that in practical terms as we go through each one of the the descriptions of the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I just want to say this. Uh, I really do want us to understand that when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're just talking about one fruit. You know, oftentimes, like when I was uh, looking at those Vacation Bible School songs, you know, they would have a banana and an apple and, and grapes and oranges and things like that, sort of giving the impression it's different fruit. But it's really uh, one fruit. You know, it's almost like a fruit with different aspects to it. You know, almost like a diamond. If you take a diamond, you can look at it and you can see as you turn it, there's different sides to that diamond and you can examine those different sides. And it's a lot like that when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but, but we do have a part in this in the sense uh, that we know that... Uh, well, let me put it this way. As you look at the fruit of the Spirit, those are nouns. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But if you'll read Scripture, you'll notice that for every noun in that description of the fruit of the Spirit, there are verbs that are commands for Christians to do. So there's love listed as a fruit of the Spirit, but we are also commanded to love one another. Their patience is a fruit of the spirit, is aspect of the fruit of the spirit, and yet we are uh, we are commanded to be long-suffering or patient with others. And so there is a sense in which we are partakers in terms of that. 
And yet, this fruit is uh, formed by reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And Paul sort of brackets that. If you if you have your Bibles, look at Galatians 5 again. Uh, you'll, you'll see a couple of verses where he sort of brackets the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 with this emphasis on the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's verse 25. Uh, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So, so though we are called to do, we have to do that in complete dependence upon the Spirit to act and to achieve anything that's going to be genuine and lasting change in our life. But the beauty of that is, if it's the Spirit that does it, there is that lasting change. If this is something where I just try to appear like I'm more loving, I just try to, you know, will it to happen, and, and I do my best, you know, that's going to come and go. But with the Spirit, it is something that will bring lasting change. Now, something I want you to notice as you have your Bibles open to Galatians 5, notice that we're not, um, if, if you were struggling with sin, as, as we all do to some degree, but especially those besetting sins, also notice that we're not simply to stop indulging, let's say, in sexual immorality, or we're to, to deal with our anger issues by biting our tongues. You know, that's, that's not the way we are to do it. If you look at Galatians 5.16 again, it instructs us that as we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And, and it's a lot like, the best illustration I could think to, uh, to describe this is like an oak tree. You know, and with an oak tree, it's, you know, it's getting to be fall, and we live in Kansas, so there's lots of wind. You know, there's going to be wind that's going to knock most of the leaves off the tree. But there's always going to be those few leaves that are stubborn, and, and they're going to stay on that tree. And the only way you're going to be able to get rid of those leaves is in the spring when the new leaves come out, then it pushes off the old leaves. And so we grow out of the old character that we have uh, before our conversion as we see the new character of Christ coming through in our lives. And where that's so important is, is you're struggling with sin and and it doesn't it seem like there's always some... I mean, we struggle with all kinds of sin. But there's certain sin that is like our besetting sin. It's like our Achilles heel. It's just our great weakness. And the way to deal with that sin is not to focus on how can I get rid of that sin, but it's really to focus on life in the Spirit. It's to focus on the fruit of the Spirit and, and praying for the God to, to bring about that work in your life and as you do and you're walking in the spirit rather than walking in the flesh then you see that victory over the sin of your life and we need to understand this isn't a trivial thing it, it's the it, at the heart of it it's a battle it's just like if you do a diet right if you go on a diet you have cravings and you're battling with those cravings but you also have desires to be thin 
and or less heavy, however you want to view it. But you just, um, you know, there's just this battle. And it's the same way in our spiritual walk. We're confronted with the desires of the flesh, but we must refuse to be ruled by those. Um, and we have to be careful that we don't live as if we're still in bondage to the kingdom of Satan. As he says in verse 21, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we've been set free uh, from servitude to sin and empowered for a new life. Um, as one author put it, um, let me put this up here so you can see. He says, freedom from bondage to sin for development of the fruit of the Spirit is forged by our union with Christ. That's where our hope is. Not that we can try harder, not that we're godly enough, but that we are united with Christ. We are in Christ. We are His child. We are believers. As it says in verse 24, uh, Galatians 5.24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done this. So growth in, in the spiritual formation of the fruit of the Spirit will uh, depend upon leading in, uh, leaning, excuse me, learning to abide in Christ. Now, the question is, how do we do that? And that's where you'll have to come back next week to find out the answer to that. But any questions or any comments? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. I know this is sort of a, an information download in one sense, but Lord, we need to know what your word says. And so we pray, God, that as we consider these things, that you would even bring one or two or three things to mind this week, uh, Lord, to, uh, to encourage us, uh, to challenge us, Lord, maybe where we've been uh, relying upon our flesh rather than relying upon your spirit. Uh, but Father, we pray that we could walk by your spirit. That Lord, that um, we would see the fruit uh, that you give to us uh, produced in our lives and in the life of our church as well. Uh, we ask this, God, because we desire that people would come to know you, uh, that they would see the authentic work of God in the hearts of, of mere humans who have no ability in and of themselves. Uh, we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.